first topic going to be metals. Yes. How to use them. How not to use them. <laughs> Mostly how to use them. Can't think of any reasons to not use them, really. Um, now, these are kind of the metals that you're going to find in a lot of jewelry, especially metaphysical shops. Oh, yeah. Copper, silver, gold. Maybe not so much iron. Yeah. But, uh, Definitely the first three. So, yeah, let's start with gold. So, gold is probably the most sacred metal uh, if we're talking high magic and if we're talking alchemy and if we're talking Renaissance and medieval magic. Gold was seen as the epitome of purity. It cannot be stained. It does not tarnish. It does not react easily with other metals. It was indestructible. And so much of alchemy was based on finding the elixir of life and finding uh, the philosopher's stone or creating the philosopher's stone, which will turn base metals into the most desirable metal, gold. We place heavy emphasis on gold's value and its worth. And it was what most money and currency uh, systems were based off of was wealth pertaining to gold. And then you have land, etc. But gold was has always been sought after. And there's different reasons, different theories on why we find especially gold and silver so desirable to us. And part of that has to do with our primal instincts to always be looking for water. Funnily enough, I'm thirsty. But they shine, they glint, they glitter. And so they're naturally attractive to us. So gold is kind of the perfect metal when working in magic. Now, if you want to get even more expensive and get a little more adventurous, you can start experimenting with the metals that are newer to mankind. They've always been present. We've just only very recently in our history been able to mine them and purify them. And those would be like titanium, platinum, rhodium. Those are all very silvery in themselves. And there's not a whole lot of magical correspondence to them just yet. So if you want to go dive into those, those titanium is much stronger than gold. Gold itself is actually a very weak metal. Um, rhodium is silvery, but it does not tarnish. Um, and then platinum, just the same. Very hard, very easy to keep on your body for a while before it starts to degrade. But as for gold, so gold, as a lot of you know, I'm sure, has connotations to the sun and connotations with masculinity. Gold also has some connotations to lightning, I've seen, and its quickness. That one I'll leave up to you to decide if it works for you or not. But gold, with its ties to masculinity, has some ties to some ancient gods as well, namely Zeus. Um, and then we see that whole lightning thing again. But gold is used in magic primarily for divine connection and the enhancement of masculine energies present. Or, you know, if you're a man, but you want to have more confidence or come across as uh, charismatic, much more charismatic, wearing gold could help you do that. So gold has its connotations with masculinity, and it has connotations with the sun. 
So again, the sun is often seen as like the purifying factor of the world, the natural purifying factor of the world. Uh, so there are a lot of connotations to the moon and divination. There's a lot of connotations with the sun and illumination. It gives us our light. So using gold in that sense could help you reveal secrets. It can bring things to light. It can help you see things in a way that's adjacent to divination. Gold can be protective, uh, again, because of its masculine connotations. It can be ego boosting to some degree, uh, again, because of its masculine connotations. We often associate masculinity with confidence, with egoistic tendencies, arrogance, maybe even narcissism. But they're very, they're, they don't have to go that way, obviously. Gold can be a very good thing. It doesn't need to be you know, toxic. Well, the whole perception, being wealthy, being rich, how much gold do you have? And then, you know, the negative connotation that can go when you're miserly, when you're greedy, when you're, you know, hoarding a valuable yeah. resource. Yes. So that's gold. Now, how, um, if we were going to bring that into magic, obviously abundance working, what yes. would be not so common or that some people just forget how to use it? Like, what would be another way to use that gold? So one way that I, and I say one way because every time I do something, I always do it differently. I don't have like a book where I write down quote unquote spells because I don't ever repeat anything. I change things all the time in correlation to whatever I'm working or whatever the goal is. But I have before taken a simple gold ring. Um, I think it was only like 14 carat. Dropped it onto a white candle. So it went to the base of wherever it landed. I think it landed like right there, like a quarter of the way up the candle and lit the candle with the intention that it bring in wealth. And by the time it stopped at that nub and went out, I would assume that what I needed to do was done. And I couldn't tell you because I did this when I was like probably 12 or 11, whether I got like money that time or not. That's one way you can use it. If you can find gold shavings, um, or gold filings, uh, if you befriend a jeweler, that'd be a great way to get them. The thing is with that is if you befriend, befriend a jeweler, it's going to be black. Gold dust, when it comes from the process of jewel, jewelry making, typically when chains are made, this is how you get it. Uh, it's, it's not tarnish. It is a residue left from the other chemicals and moisture in the air that settle on it. The gold itself is not tarnished. It's everything else in the environment landing on it. So if you get gold shavings from a jeweler and they look black, they're likely not lying to you. It is gold. It's just because of its environment, it accumulates grossness. You can still use it. Uh, you can sprinkle gold shavings into if you make mojo bags or any kind of bag charm or pouch charm or even a packet. Uh, you can put shavings in there to help attract abundance. You can sprinkle it onto a white candle to help you illuminate a situation or bring clarity and insight into a situation. You can also use it for happiness, uh, if, especially if you work with tarot. So the sun card and gold, you could use in tandem in however way you want for those same purposes to bring happiness, to bring illumination, to bring clarity. I would even go so far as it probably may help with just knowledge in general. So yes, candle working charm pouches charm packets is gold the most abundant metal i don't think it's the most abundant metal i believe iron is i believe iron and 
tin or aluminum, I think are the most abundant metals. Gold is more plentiful than we think. Um, I wouldn't say it's the most abundant in terms of what I've come across, like in so much that I know. Now, when you're saying gold flakes, I'm automatically thinking back to my younger years of drinking and the gold schlager. Yeah. <laughs> so push comes to shove. <laughs> um, yeah. You, you can always go buy... get a bottle of that if you need little gold flakes. <laughs> yeah. If you wanted, you could go buy a bottle of gold schlager and filter it out, I guess. You can find gold leaf fairly inexpensive, like $20 for like a 10 pack, a sheet of 10. Um, make sure it is actual gold leaf though, and not like gold colored metal that's just been hammered into a sheet. Um, mm. but gold leaf, like actual real gold leaf, you know, 14 carat to 24 carat, fairly inexpensive for like a pack of 10. I think it's like $20 for a pack of 10. And you can just use like a paintbrush to take off like a corner at a time and add it to whatever you need to add it to. I always forget about those little gold sheets. I've never really used them except for like once. So I never think to use those, which is a good point. Yeah, I do use them on occasion because uh, we have to have certain metals in our song practice in Tibetan Buddhism. So I use those. It's a very relatively inexpensive way because god the amount of ingredients that i put into my song powder it's ridiculous and it's probably upwards of like a couple hundred dollars my jar of song powder probably is at least three hundred dollars with everything i've put into it okay so another question was which metal is best for increasing luck and that you know gold is used in abundance of good luck but i don't know which one you want to jump to next but i do believe silver is thought mm -hmm. in those type of workings as well for increasing luck probably all of these except iron all of the ones we're going to go over except iron gold definitely because luck and fortune are usually tied together so definitely gold and then probably silver i would say all three of these are good definitely not iron iron is a whole other it, iron repels in a lot of traditions for one and in our tradition, it's meant more as like, uh, it, it repels in our tradition as well, actually, now that I think about it. Um, but it's also more of like for stability and the steadying of things. It's not necessarily meant to attract things. It either repels or it supports. It doesn't attract. Unless it's magnetic. But then we're getting into like the stones, like lodestone or magnetic iron. That's a, that's a little different. That obviously is meant to attract things. Um, but magnetization changes things. But if we're talking just pure iron or steel even, I wouldn't use that. Jumping into silver, though. So silver, um, just like gold, has connotations to the sun and masculinity. Silver has connotations with femininity, femininity and uh, the moon. Silver is good for working with the goddesses, working with divination. Uh, again, I already made that subtle difference between, you know, the sun with illumination and the moon with divination. Silver is good for workings with beauty as well. Um, like I said, silver, the moon, the goddesses, beauty, glamours, as much as it can reveal, it can seclude and conceal as well. So if you want to work on hiding, 
for keeping certain things secret, work with silver. Silver is... I was going to say how how gold is your out front, your look at me and your up front and your face, your silver is going to be your behind the scenes, the subconscious, those inner thoughts and workings. Like if you were to compare them as personalities. Yeah, that is a very good explanation of it. Yeah. So for those of you who really like astrology, think of this is probably not the actual correspondences in astrology, but it makes sense in my head. Think of the sun and think of gold as like Leo, uh, very attention grabbing, very look at me, very in your face, as Melissa said. Um, Silver is more of like subdued. Silver is more quiet. I don't know what astrological sign is supposed to be quiet, but um, yeah, silver is more secretive, stealthy. Um, Silver you know, keep a silver charm or a silver coin or a silver ring on when you're doing divination. Um, When you're working by the moon, which I know many people do, um, adorn yourself in some kind of silver. Uh, Again, very similar with how I said to use gold, Um, find shavings or flakes um, and add them to packets or pouches, add them to candle workings. Again, here, I would do it for purposes of divination and clarity, or clarity in your divination, rather, in hiding and in, and in securing and secreting things away. It's very protective. Uh, there are many traditions where silver is very protective, typically against the things of the other world. We hear its uses against werewolves. We hear its uses against the fae, depending, because I've also heard silver can be very attractive to the fairies. Yeah, I yep. usually hear silver is, um, fairies like it, it's iron that's supposed yeah. to keep the fae away, but that mm-hmm. can even be, depending on the source you read and look into, it's hit or miss on whether yeah. or not the iron actually works. Yeah, I've heard that too. So, I, I couldn't really tell you. Um, not a good source. I am not a good source for the fae too much. Um, it's not really something we have in our in both of my traditions, both in my ancestral tradition or uh, in Tibetan Buddhism. So ask someone, ask Holly. <laughs> uh, don't ask me about the fairies. Uh, I have a coworker. Her, um, she's doing a master's right now in Scottish history, and before that, it was Scottish folklore. So ask someone like that about the fairies. I would deploy silver the similar ways I mentioned in deploying gold. You could, I, I would imagine, you could also enchant a silver ring or a silver necklace or a silver brooch or, you know, just a silver coin. Um, if you're someone like me who likes to carry things with them and not necessarily wear things too much to keep yourself, you know, this is for the introverts, to help keep yourself hidden. You don't want unnecessary small talk or, you know, you just want to go out and get coffee and have everyone else kind of like you want to be in a social setting without being part of the social setting. Um, you could enchant a piece of jewelry or a coin or something of silver, pure silver, Troy silver, sterling silver to be kind of like a very shielding amulet for you. Well, in my shaman South American Peruvian tradition, uh, these two rings are actually real uh, sterling silver spoon rings from a great grandmother, great great grandmother. Mm-hmm. And this one is luck and abundance. This one is protection mm-hmm. and whole ceremonies done for those. So 
um, I can stand to lose everything else except for these two rings. <laughs> like I will move yeah. the earth to get these two back. Yeah. They're ancestral and there's work done to them. So yeah. everything else can fall away. I did wear a silver ring for a little bit this year. Uh, I'm just not someone who wears jewelry so much. You know, I'd rather carry, like I have Troy, Troy ounce silver from my dad. And so I'll occasionally carry those coins in either of my pockets um, for the reason of, God, I just want to get coffee and be left alone. <laughs> so yeah, you can use it for shielding. Um, you can use it for divination. You can use it for drawing abundance. And j just like with gold, because we have obviously not equal values put on both metals. Gold obviously costs more than silver. Uh, but silver historically and currently does have enough value that it is a tr it is a precious metal. And right now, the cost of both and price of both is just going through the roof. Yeah. So um, keep your jewelry <clears throat> safe. I think maybe iron. Maybe go okay. over next since we've referenced it. We keep going and referencing iron. Yes. Um, which, you know, in the metaphysical community, when you're in crystal stores, a lot of times you're going to see it referred to as limonite or like limonite included quartz, which is iron in quartz. Yes. So iron. Iron is a very heavy. I don't mean heavy metal in terms of like lead. It might be actually a heavy metal like lead. Couldn't tell you that's more of a science question. Um, but yes, iron is and i'm going to talk about rust as well but iron is as most people know very protective it's a heavier metal heavy enough that it can weigh things down it can tie things down so you can use it in that aspect we see iron fences so it has protection we see, and there's so much lore connected to like iron fences and like iron jail cells. We see iron used in railroad ties to keep railroad ties themselves tied down. Um, so it has protection. It has abilities to tie down and stabilize to make things steady. With that, you can also curse. So if you want to, let's say, the phrase is tie someone's money down. You would use either a nail or a railroad spike. And what kind of railroad spike or what kind of nail you use also plays into it. Uh, so if you want to tie down and stop someone's income, you would use a coffin nail. Now, the opposite goes if you use a churchyard nail. You could tie your own finances down so that every time you get money, it doesn't immediately need to go somewhere. You can stockpile money. Um, you can save. I have a railroad spike tied with a $2 bill in red string. I don't really use this. It kind of sits on my floor. Um, but when I have used it, the whole purpose is, again, that tying down of money to make money not only come to me, but stay here. And there are different sometimes a forgotten thing in abundance. People like want money to come in, but they, the way you word it. So you can have money come in, but then all of those bills you've been putting off can now be paid. So then it goes right out the door and people are like, what am I doing wrong? And I'm like, yes. money coming in isn't always the same thing as abundance. 
you know, so careful how you're wording things and working your intentions. Um, there's so much with money magic. You know, if you need to pay something quick, that's when you would want money to quickly come in because you know it's going to go right out. You need to pay something quick. Um, but if you're trying to save, asking for money to flow in, that money has to continue flowing somewhere. So you have to actively say, I want it to flow in and stop here. <laughs> I need it to stop here. So otherwise something's going to come up where a void needs to be filled and that, that void is going to be filled with that money that you just earned. Um, I forget what natural law that's called. Uh, the uh, vacuum law. There can never be a vacuum in space. There always has to be something filling it. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so iron is good for protection, good for steadying things, tying things down, depending on how you want to do that. It's more of a defensive and passive metal. It can be active, uh, especially since iron for, you know, so long was used in weaponry uh, and it's brother steel. Add a little bit of CO2 and you get steel. Iron is easily corroded. So if you're going to use it for protection, unless it's like an iron gate, you need to keep up on that. It can wear away. Could probably last 20 years unattended. Um, maybe a little more, but eventually a nail will rust to nothing. Something like a railroad spike is going to take longer, but if you're using nails five to 10 years, maybe, and then you're going to have to redo that whole thing, that whole working again. And I think I personally think that's why iron can work in terms of, I don't want to say attracting. Iron does not really attract unless it's magnetized, like I said, but in terms of stabilizing things, and in terms of drawing, and I mean drawing, again, in a very, very minimal way, um, is how it attracts water to itself. Iron rusts as quick as it does because there is a slight, um, what's the word I want to use here? Uh, characteristic, trait, a slight ability to attract water to itself. Hygrophobia, or hygro, whatever the word is. It attracts water to itself. So in that aspect, there is a slight ability to attract things. And if we want to tie water to emotions, um, you could use it in that aspect, you know, attracting emotional stability to oneself. That is something that's, that might be a little fringe, but it's just something that I vote. Characteristic, that's the word I think I'm looking for. It has characteristics of attracting water to itself. Uh, combined with iron, stability, water, emotions, you could play around with that. Again, that is solely my opinion. That is solely my observance. That is not something that is typical. To reiterate, to reiterate for like the fifth time, iron is protection. Iron is uh, steadying and stabilizing. Um, slightly offensive, mostly defensive, mostly stabilizing. Now, if you're working in terms of folk magic, especially conjure, root work, hoodoo, Iron filings are fed to lodestones, which are used in money workings. Um, whether it's a free lodestone, just you know, on a plate on an abundance altar, or a prosperity altar, or a money altar, or if it's in a mojo bag. Typically, mojo bags are sealed. They're tied up, or they're you know, bound or wound up. You know, and they're 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 sealed. You can't really get a lot of access to it. You can still. I've seen practitioners do this. You can still sprinkle iron filings and iron shavings onto the mojo bag itself if a lodestone is contained in there. 
It's not going to be direct contact, but you're still, in a sense, feeding your mojo bag by doing that. Now, if you have one of those mojo bags you make that you pull the string and you don't tie it and you can un um, unlock, uh, uncinch it and feed the filing shavings or the iron filings in that way, you could. Uh, the way I learned to make mojo bags, though, is you're placing a spirit in there and you want it to stay in there. So you do have to tie it. So untying it probably isn't the best idea. Again, that's something you could play with if you want. But I think just sprinkling iron shavings onto a pouch or a packet that contains a lodestone is sufficient enough. But yes, feeding lodestones with iron shavings. Um, again, that subtle ability to attract things, the lodestone is pulling most of the weight there. The iron just keeps the lodestone magnetized. But they have to work in tandem. It takes two to tango. So again, there is a very, very, very small, minimal ability for iron to attract things. It's not my first go-to. No, iron is a very like passive metal. Like it, it holds its ground, it's protective. It that's what it does, and it does it pretty well. It doesn't do all it, it's not a jack of all trades. It does yeah. one or two things um, really well. But we we referenced how gold works with, you know, is related to um astrologically the sun, silver, the moon. I found it kind of interesting that iron is related to Mars, maybe because the whole red and the rust. But uh, when I was talking with you before we went live and you were like, oh, yeah, because it can work in with Mars water. So don't yes. forget to mention your Mars water. Yeah. Um, you said grounding. So that brings me up to other things. Um, so even just like in electricity. And one of my best friends is actually in the trades right now and he's becoming a journeyman. So he talks all the time about like electricity and currents and how it works. Iron is typically the metal they use to ground currents, like very base, very unencased, I don't know, uh, wires. Like if you're just working with very introductory currents, iron and steel are usually the ground piece um, that they connect to to keep a current going because electricity comes in, it has to go somewhere. So they'll use iron or steel to ground things. So it can be used in that with us as well, grounding, centering ourselves. And so that brings up how I, why I like iron probably the most. So a lot of people will be like, obsidian, you know, I was really good at grounding, blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, any of the black stones. I'm not someone who's into crystals. I don't think they do much, as I've mentioned many times on here before. Um, there was one time I was at an ex's place and we were just talking. We were laying on the floor just talking. And I remember grabbing, for whatever reason, because I need constant stimulation, grabbing the radiator. It was off. I just wrapped my hand around one of the, the bars, I guess, of the radiator. And I immediately, not like I was anxious in the moment or anything, but I immediately felt so much more calm, so much more at ease, so much more almost sleepy. And when I realized what I was doing, holding something made of iron, I kept going back to that. And so eventually I got some railroad spikes. And anytime I would feel anxious, I would 
put a railroad spike in each of my hands. That's when I've ever felt anything similar to how I think people feel when they are holding obsidian or what's the black stone that comes up all the time? It's tourmaline? It's a black tourmaline everyone talks Probably about? tourmaline, onyx, but yeah, tourmaline is the one of the, the popular kids right now yeah. that everybody talks about. Um, I've never felt anything with those. With iron, I feel something. Um, so I think iron is also for yourself because just like in electricity, it's used as a ground, a ground plate, a ground piece, a ground wire. I don't remember the actual terminology. It's used in grounding electricity. I think with us, because we are very electric beings, iron, holding iron, you know, and a sizable piece at that, like a chunk of iron uh, is very grounding for us. It is at least for me. But going back to war water, Mars water. So there's debate on whether this is an authentic thing or not. I just think it is a modern slash contemporary addition to folk magic, to especially conjure, because you see it more in the circles of conjure root work and hoodoo. And like I said, the purists and traditionalists will say, this isn't actually a thing. We've never heard of this. I think it's just, you know, magic follows the culture it follows the people and as the people change and progress and do things differently so does the magic they create i think this is just a modern or contemporary addition to root work conjure and hoodoo um and that is the creation of mars water or war water um and there's many ways to make it but it's essentially a jar of water that has a bunch of gross things in it and one of those is rusty nails. Again, what kind of nail or how it was harvested, you know, you can put that in there. Um, the ingredients I use are things that are very baneful. So I add those to it. And I've only ever used Mars water once. I made a bottle of it and I put it on the shelf and I go, I'll use you when I need to use you. Uh, and I did. But it turns the water a reddish brown. And it's called Mars water and war water because one of the essential ingredients in it is iron, iron nails. And it's used for battle. It's used as a, an aggressive, offensive item. It's not, the opposite of it is peace water. Peace water is used mostly in the home or around the home to create peace, to create protection, to elevate the spirits in the house, the spirit of the house, the mood of the family, to create peace, promote um, happiness. The opposite is war water or Mars water because you're using it actively to harm. Uh, one of the common ways to use it is to take the bottle and either throw it in the yard, the front doorstep or the door of the person you're trying to, to hex. It's more of a hex. It's not so much a curse. It's a very short lasting thing. It's usually used to upset. It's usually used by uh, people who are very spiteful because their ex is with someone else. And so to disrupt that relationship or break it up, they will make a bottle of war water, throw it against their front doorstep or their front door in hopes that it'll cause the people inside to bicker, fight, argue, break up, um, or just in general have an unhappy time. The way I used it was not for that. Uh, the way I used it, I, I'm very ethical in my cursing. <laughs> I, I used it in a way that I think was justifiable. Uh, because it involved way more people than just myself. So yeah, you can make Mars water or war water. I will let you figure out how to do that. Um, 
I will let you investigate that because I'm not here to give out free shit. Just for you to go be petty. Not saying anyone here would. But they might. Now, whenever I have people that come into the store and you can clearly see that they're upset, like some stuff is going down in their life and they're wanting to know how to harm or curse. or And I'm just like, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know what? How about you think on that for a moon cycle? Yeah. And watch whatever you're mad at and see what happens. And most times they're like, yeah, calm down. You're right. Or, you know, that cheating person. It's like, hey, you found out like all this other stuff is going on too. Aren't you kind of glad they're out of your life now? You know, was it, it would not have been worth your time, your effort, your money, your resources to create such a thing to you. Like, just move on. Like, truly for me, your, your best revenge is moving on and being better than, you know, in a better place than you were with said person, be it romantically, business, whatever. Yeah. Just move on and put your time and effort into something that's more beneficial for you. Yeah. That's very similar to how I typically look at those things. It's you can either engage and still be involved with this person and have to deal with all of that bullshit. Or you can disengage, leave them behind, not deal with any of it, and just continue to move on. Because as much as you may want revenge, you're still engaging with something that's ultimately not making you happy. It's doing quite the opposite. It's actively making you unhappy. Just cut it all off. And then you don't well, have to worry about any of stuck. I mean, it, it's keeping you stuck in yeah. that same situation, in an unhealthy mentally, you know, emotionally, potentially physically state of being. Yeah. So move on and move out. Yeah. All right. So we got um, what next? We'll do copper next. Copper. There's, a couple, there's a couple more things I want to talk about with iron. And these have to do with the Tibetan tradition. So we have iron used in Tibet. So when we use iron in our rituals, it's very rare. They're typically for the pujas of the protectors. And so again, this just kind of reinforces the idea that iron is very protective. Um, we don't like to include iron in the offering practices. Most of the offering practices we do because the blackness, black in general, the color black is not a very positive color. Black is seen as the most powerful, destructive, and protective um, color. So we only use iron and the color black when we need to, when it's a desperate situation. You see this with Yamantaka, the destroyer of death, and Mahakala, um, who is, especially for our lineage, the protector deity. We see this with Paldin Lamo, who is the... Um, the color black, at least, uh, who is the protector of all of Tibet and the Tibetan people. So iron and the color black are seen as protective in the most dire aspect. Um, it needs to be needed for it to work. That being said, there's also, and I suggest this to anyone because anyone can recite this. During the pandemic, it was advised by both my lineage and the Sakya clan to or the Saki lineage um to recite Tongten Gyalpo's prayer uh the prayer that saved Sakya and the reason this is relevant is because Tongten Gyalpo created a lot of iron bridges in Tibet 
to link the passes, the mountainous passes. So it's said that when saints interact or do certain things, those same things still carry a resonance of blessing. He's usually depicted holding either an iron chain or an iron ball. And I know Melissa in her shop sells like copper balls and I'm not sure what else you've sold, but maybe brass, I don't remember. But if you can ever find an iron ball, because of its connection with Tong Tong Gyalpo, um, and the way that like Tibetan spirituality, which is very magical in and of itself, works, if you can hold that ball and recite both the prayer and the mantra included in Tong Tong Gyalpo's The Prayer That Saved Sakya, I would imagine the iron ball has uh, the blessings to help heal. So you could carry it around as like a healing charm. Um, the mantra recited in there is Om Mani Peme Hum. It's a very ubiquitous mantra. It's you don't need like the empowerment or the reading transmission. Those things are always beneficial to get if you can. But that that mantra in and of itself is open to all of humanity. The Lord of Compassion, Chenrezig Avalokiteshvara, he wants people to recite that mantra. He wants to be called upon. That's his whole vow is to help those who call upon him. Um, so that's the mantra included in that prayer. But just Google the prayer that saves Sakya. Um, they're virtually all the same. There's going to be a different introduction for each. I think at one point, one of them invites Tara of the Akasha Forest in, again, it doesn't matter. Um, but having a, an iron ball that you have blessed, essentially, with that mantra and with that prayer, I think would be a very good healing charm. Unless you can actually get what's called sky iron, which is meteorite iron that has fallen in the Himalayas. That is a highly sought after material. Might have that sitting around <laughs> in the safe somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Diamond is usually like fashioned into purbas, which is a very wrathful instrument we use. And again, it's iron and the color black are typically used for like dire situations where protection is needed. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of the sky iron that has been found has been turned into purbas or dorjes. But moving on to copper. So, copper is probably one of my favorite metals. I like silver and I like copper. And I think there's something also to be said about gold and silver, which one. So I don't like gold. I really, really, really don't like gold um, for completely on aesthetics alone. Um, I think it's gaudy. I think it's flashy. I don't like it. Um, silver, I much prefer. Uh, and I think depending on which one you like, probably tells you a little bit about yourself. Um... For instance, I really like silver. I don't care much for gold. Well, I have a lot of feminine aspects, aside from just being a gay man. Um, silver is very soft. It's very feminine. It's very emotional, in my opinion. And I would say, internally, the same for me. I'm very emotional. I'm very sensitive. I'm very compassionate, I think. Um, outwardly, I portray a lot of aspects of gold. I portray a lot of aspects of the sun and of fire. Um, if you've ever walked into the shop and heard me talking to Melissa, you'd probably be like, oh my God, I can't believe he'd say something like that. Um, <laughs> but yes, silver is more of the, the metal that I, I like. And copper, the second. Copper 
is I don't know much about its astrological correspondences or the planets it's aligned with, just like with iron. Melissa had to do that one. Uh, iron being corresponding with um, Mars. But copper, copper is typically used for protection, for luck and money. Um, not so, again, copper is not one of the ones you would immediately go to for money or for luck. Um, but it is considered, you know, one of the three precious metals, gold, silver, copper. Copper throughout history was a very valuable metal. We have the, uh, the Bronze Age. And bronze is a mixture of tin and copper. And so much implementation and so much construction and structures in general, statues, so many building materials and so many buildings have or feature copper. Um, copper is actually a very durable metal. The patina that is created when copper contacts moisture isn't a tarnish, it's a protection for itself. Whereas iron, when it rusts, that's corrosion. Um, if you let iron uh, rust enough, it will corrode into nothing. Copper will always be copper. The patina, the patina is a protective layer that it creates around itself. So with that, Copper can, just like the other three we've mentioned, be protective. It's also one of the more reflective metals, just like gold, just like silver. And with its ability to be reflective, there have been many mirrors made that were copper. Typically, bronze or like a bell metal is often used for metal mirrors, but copper, I think, was one of the very first we've ever discovered. discovered uh, and I think it was in Egypt. It was either in Egypt or somewhere in like Mesopotamia, that area was where some of the very first mirrors that we uncovered were made from metal, they were made from copper. So it is very reflective um, for ourselves. I would venture to say there is divination that can be used with copper mirrors. Um, usually you hear about that with like just normal mirrors or silver mirrors, silverback mirrors, obsidian mirrors. I think a copper mirror would be just as insightful, but probably more so for the self more about you not so much about the things surrounding you or the things going on with you uh around you uh very introspective copper just like iron with its ability to be used in structures could be used for stabilizing it's also a cheaper alternative i think to gold and silver what you can do with gold and silver i would venture to say you can do with copper it's just a much more affordable option there's a value that's not monetary um, in how shiny it can be. Uh, many of our implements in Tibetan Buddhism are made of copper. And it's strictly for the idea that it is shiny. It is affordable, it's accessible. But we're giving, you know, this very attractive, it's in its attractiveness. There we go. We're giving this very attractive implement, these very attractive lamps, these very attractive plates that hold our tormas, these very attractive incense holders to the beings of refuge. So there is like a value in its attractiveness. You can't really count that. You can't really put a monetary stamp on that, but it is of value. Well, copper relates into Venus, the planet Venus, and um, as an offshoot goddess. So 
love, fertility, things of that nature. But one thing that I've always found pretty interesting about copper, it's not necessarily always used in protection, but maybe it should be because scientifically it is antimicrobial. So that's why you're going to find it a lot for door handles and things like that. People touch a lot, especially in hospitals, mm -hmm. because it just kills so much. It, it's antimicrobial. So, yeah. um, um, you know, for, for such a throwaway metal, in a way, compared to gold and silver, it does a really cool function. So just scientifically, and I'm going, you know, metaphysically, how to tie that into your working for health for healing, you know, um, maybe not in a way is protecting to keep from getting sick, but if somebody's already sick, you know, a quicker healing, getting rid of that sickness. Something I didn't know that one of my friends at work told me about was just that. He goes, uh, up until I think it was the 60s or the 70s or the 50s, I don't know, some somewhere in the mid-century, uh, tables, door handles, all of that were made of either brass or copper. And it was solely for that because on contact, it kills bacteria and viruses. But because it wasn't aesthetically pleasing enough, we switched to stainless steel, which actually harbors a lot of germs for days. It's not a sterile environment. It's an e easily sterilized surface, but so is glass, you know? Um, mm -hmm. I don't think the fact that it can be easily sterilized is really a an argument to replace something that kind of sterilizes itself. <laughs> um, yeah, you don't have to remember to go wipe it down to yeah. keep it sterilized. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure eventually at some point you would have to, but I'm like the the longevity of a virus on a brass doorknob handle versus a stainless steel one, you're probably going to need to worry about the brass one maybe once a week, whereas that door handle made of stainless steel, you'd probably be one of sanitizing at least once a day. But yes, that also brings up, so... This was a very popular thing, I think, in like the early to mid 2000s. And I don't think there's a lot of historical evidence for it. It was one of those things like, let's give it some exoticism to make it sellable, was the healing rods and healing rings. They were supposed to be called like ancient Egyptian healing rods or ancient Egyptian healing rings or whatever. And one was made of zinc and one was made of copper. Now, with an electric current, those make a very good electric current. Copper is a very good conductor, and so is zinc. But most of the metals are, really. Copper is good at inducting heat and uh, electricity. So if you are an energetic healer, using copper, using zinc, um, would probably be of some benefit for you. For Yeah, for energetic healing, or for energetic healers, if you could get, like, a copper ball or two copper balls or a copper ball and a zinc ball, um, or rod, uh, I think there might be a little bit of validity there, um, at least in the way of electric currents uh, in channeling energy. But yes, copper is very conductive. Um, and you know, I think that's why a lot of people like the whole copper pipe pyramids and stuff that they put a quartz crystal in, or you have like, what is it called? Ergon or uh yeah the organite a lot of people organ, are fans yeah. organite i'm i'm not um, me neither <laughs> i just don't see the point of wrapping things in resin plastic and i'm just like yeah. why just work with the stone itself um 
And depending on who makes it, a lot of times I'll get an instant headache from it. Ah. So um, I'm not a fan of it that way either. The pyramids, though, like there's been scientific studies proving like if you have two identical plants, one you put inside of a pyramid, even if it's made out of popsicle sticks, and they have the same type of environment meant to grow the plant in a healthy way. So you're treating them both the same that you want them to grow. The one inside of the pyramid will grow bigger and healthier because of that, the way the pyramid conducts energy in there. So even if it's out of popsicle sticks or some cheap, like beat up, you know, Crayola coloring pencils that you had laying around the house, like make a pyramid with it and it's going to conduct energy better. Now it add the copper to it and it's going to be, even better yeah. but um fun little science experiments i like when science meets the woo-woo and can justify some of it electric currents electricity abilities conductive ability i do think there's something into it um not talking from experience i'm purely basing that opinion on the fact that copper is a very good conductor of both heat and electricity um obviously inferior to silver and gold but using uh, copper for those of you who do like energetic therapies, energetic work, whatever it may be, you know, having copper, using it in some way, uh, I think could be a benefit for you. You know, uh, I've got um, a good friend who just recently out of the hospital um, and I've got some healing work going for her on the my healing mesa. And now I'm wondering, I'm like, huh, let me find some bits of copper. Um, Because the cool thing about copper, you can go to a craft store and just go to the jewelry aisle and get Mm -hmm. copper. Maybe do some working for her and just kind of see if that helps speed that along. Like, how do you feel today? And then do some workings. And in a couple of days, like, do you feel marginally better? Like, uh, uh, does the copper help? Uh, What do you say? Um, For those people who are into, like, gems and such, I think practitioners are like, if you're going to wrap it, you should wrap it in either pure gold, which is not financially feasible, or silver or copper. Uh, the other metals, I think, interact in an undesirable way. Again, I'm not someone who really does crystals and stuff, but from what I hear, uh, silver and copper are kind of like the go-to for wrapping. Well, it's the most easily affordable, I think, yeah. really. And then I would always counter back to those. I'm like, you know, it all came out of the same earth, right? Yeah. And depending on where they dug it out, there could have been a vein right next to it of something else that you're saying that they don't get along, but they were just a few dozen feet or a hundred, like, yeah, really, (laughs) um, really. Well, most minerals do contain trace amounts or are part of their crystallization structure, uh, metals. Um, you can Mm. crystallize copper, copper can make crystals. The blue of lapis, I think, is a copper-derived mineral. Um, so it's something, yeah, yeah, something happens to the <laughs> copper, and it creates like this liquid, and it reacts with calcium or quartz or something, and it creates lapis. Um, something like that. Don't quote me on that. But yeah, the blue color present in a lot of stones is directly... Co- the reason for it being blue is because of copper. Science, um, guys. Science. <laughs> Uh, Okay, so I think I've talked about everything I was going to talk about. So, unless you have questions or other people have questions. No, I think we're good.